Hey, thanks for coming tonight. Um, up on the screen pretty soon, you'll see a picture of my friend Boone. And I need to find my sermon. Sorry. Um, this is awkward. Uh, so, that's Boone. He's a friend of mine. Uh, I met him in college. When we were in a campus ministry together, there was a point where a group of us decided to take a spiritual gifts test. And Boone was actually out of the room whenever the instructions were being given. So his calculations were a bit off, and he ended up with 100% in all of the gifts. So after a little bit of deliberation, we decided that Boone is very wise and kind and gentle, as you can see from his lovely picture. He's, and we decided that, that actually Boone is, all by himself, the body of Christ. I tell you that story... Because use of our spiritual gifts is one of the major points of this passage. Let's go ahead and jump right in. It's 1 Peter 4, 7 through 11. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Amen. There you have it. Let's all go home. Okay, maybe not. There are some pieces of this that could use some fleshing out. And it seems kind of haphazard the way that that Peter has listed out all these different things in the same paragraph. But when you start to dig into it, you realize that there is a method to Peter's madness. Kind of continuing in that theme of madness, I'm going to do something a bit odd and start at the end of the passage and work my way to the beginning. Because I think it gives us a good perspective on what, what Peter is trying to get across. So that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. What Peter is telling us is that all that we will be talking about has to be for Jesus' glory and by his power. Without Jesus, none of what what Peter is asking us to do would be possible. And our desire and all that we do should be that Jesus is glorified. The glorification of Jesus. Why why should Jesus be glorified? Jesus is... (laughs) He died on the cross for our sins. And he calls us to live with him eternally and to live a life that is full and rich. In John 10.10, he says, I've come that you might have life and life to the full. God is calling us to, Jesus died for us and Jesus lived on the earth so that we could mimic him, so that he would be able to, to supply us with the Holy Spirit to help us to live full lives. And because God is the ultimate creator of everything, God, need, God should be glorified because he created all of us. He created the world that we live in. And he is the ultimate. He is ultimate. And he deserves the glory. Going on in the passage, it says, Each of you should use whatever gifts you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. Let me read that first, pa- that first line again. 
Each of you should use whatever gifts you have received. Each of us who follow Jesus has received a spiritual gift from God. Peter says that no Christian can claim that they have no spiritual gift because each one, God gave one to each and every one of us. If you don't know what your spiritual gift is or if you have questions about spiritual gifts, please touch base with me after the service. So we've each been given a spiritual gift by God. But Peter doesn't stop there. He calls us to use these gifts for the good of others. God didn't give us these gifts just so that we could sit on them or to use them for our own edification or enjoyment or gain, but so that the, we would use them for the sake of our communities and that the, the sake of the community as a whole would move towards Jesus and that God would ultimately get the glory and the praise. Peter tells us that these gifts are evidence of God's grace to us and expressed in various forms. The Bible is full of examples and lists of gifts that God, through his spirit, has bestowed on people. Gifts like service and craftsmanship, music, prophecy, preaching and teaching, apostleship, all kinds of different gifts. God's grace is lavish and it's multitudinous. And Peter is calling us to use these gifts for the, the, the God's grace bestows on us for the benefit of our communities and for the glory and praise of Jesus. In this passage, Peter doesn't get into a list of gifts. Instead, he breaks them into two categories, gifts of speaking and gifts of service. And Peter helps us understand how we're supposed to use these different types of gifts. With speaking gifts, we need to be able to be checking them against the Bible. If we are claiming to present the, the word of God, we better make sure it's actually the word of God that we're presenting. But the second piece is that if we are sure that we're presenting the word of God, we need to do so boldly and with the authority not that we have, but that the word of God has. Going back to what Leonor said a couple of weeks ago, we should, this doesn't mean that we pound people over the head with the Bible or that we get in unnecessary arguments. What it means is that we, we need to, to present the word of God with humility and with respect. But we shouldn't apologize for, what, for God or for what the Bible says. And thinking about people in our community who do this well, I think of preachers like Mike Sayers and Joshua Peoples. I think of teachers like Leah Everson and Evan Perkins and Craig Blomberg. I think of evangelists like John Swanger and Dan Connor. I remember a conversation that we had as a staff a few years ago about someone in our community who wasn't sure that the Bible was entirely accurate and who wasn't sure if it, if it was worthy of basing their life on. Evan Perkins wept because God's word has such a place of honor in, in his life, and he was heartbroken to hear about this situation. If you've ever, if you've ever talked to Dan Connor, you can see the evangelistic gifting oozing out of him because he, he talks so often about how he wants to introduce Jesus to the non-Christians that he meets through our art gallery or through the comic convention that he attends. Peter would commend Evan's high regard for scripture and Dan's boldness in speaking about God's love. Peter goes on to say that those with the gift of service should serve with the strength provided by God. With the strength provided by God. This is key for two reasons. First, because when we serve under God's strength, we can do things we wouldn't normally do. I remember a few years ago when I was on a missions trip to the Northern Cheyenne Reservation in Lame Deer, Montana. It was 
the end of a long day. We had been doing service projects and prayer walking, and one of our Cheyenne friends came up and talked to Nate Branley and I and asked us if we could could help him or if we could load some horses for him and and transport them to a different pasture because we had access to a truck and he didn't. We were tired. It was getting close to midnight. And Nate and I had never done anything like this before. And so we talked about it, we prayed about it, and we did feel like God was calling us into this. And so we loaded up this truck, got the, ta- the trailer attached, and there was a couple of native boys that were willing to go with us and show us where we were supposed to go and how, where we were supposed to catch the horses and then where we were supposed to take them. And so we, we ended up being able in pretty much almost pitch blackness when you have these huge creatures that are pretty much coming out of nowhere and you're not sure if they really want anything to do with the trailer you're trying to get them into. Um, but with, with God's strength and with um, just the, the ability that God grants us when we seek to serve him, we were able to get them all loaded and get them safely to where they needed to be. The second reason that it's key to use the strength God provides provides is that if God hasn't provided the strength, then we shouldn't be doing it. And if he has called us into something, we should be relying on his strength and not our own to accomplish it. When I first moved to Denver, I was working for an organization called Prodigal Gatherings that worked with street youth. There were four of us on staff and we were really busy and I ended up burning out. It was about a year later that I was praying and talking with God about my feelings of exhaustion and burnout. And I realized that part of the reason that I was burnt out was because I was doing more than God was asking me to do. And he wasn't providing the strength because he hadn't called me into it. In other areas, I was, I was doing what God was calling me to do, but I was relying on my own power and not on God's strength. This is something that I've struggled with for quite some time. And I'm sure you've, you've seen other people who struggle with it or possibly you've You've run into it yourself where you take on a project because you feel guilty or someone fills a, fills a role because they, not that they feel like God is calling them into it, but because nobody else is stepping up. Sometimes we end up getting burned out because it wasn't God who called us into it and therefore he isn't providing the necessary strength. Other times we get exhausted because we are doing what God has called us to, but we're trying so hard to do it under our own power and not relying on him. We need to stop and assess the, whether or not the service opportunities that come across our path are things that God is providing the strength for. And if they are things that he's calling us into, are we trying to do it on our own or are we really relying on God's strength? But when someone does serve out of God's strength, it's an amazing thing. I've taken Tyson Rasmussen on two mission trips to Scotland and the man's a voracious servant. He currently helps out with the scoop and with, with nursery during the, the evening service. And he just recently was elected to Scum's church council. I think of, um, of Christina Lynch, who I first met volunteering with Socks Place. And she helps clean up. So she's one of our major helpers with cleanup. And has done so much to, to serve throughout her time at Scum. Eric Webb is another person who 
Every time that we ask for cleaning, his hand is one of the first ones up. All of these people do it with grace and humility, with smiles on their faces. When God is gifting you to serve and providing you the strength, there will be a joy and a vibrancy there because God gets the glory and the praise for the work that is done. Before calling us to use our individual gifts, Peter tells us to be happily hospitable. In the New Living Translation, it says, Always be ready to share your home or a meal with another. God is calling us to be lavishly generous with the things that we have, whether they be gifts, space, or food. When I think of hospitality, I think of Aaron and Kathy Pence, who have opened up their home for people so that they can stay with them, whether that home is the community hearse, the community house that they lived in a few years ago or the old gold van that they used to live in when they first came to Denver. I also think of the Jessies, who have always seemed to have people from, from scum living with them on top of their own four kids. And they host potlucks, as was announced on Monday nights. Again, this jo- the Jessies and the Pences do these things with joy and not with gr- with grumbling. And this joy is evidence, again, of God providing the strength and God getting the glory. There, in the midst of these the, the Monday night potlucks, there have been times where man Jesse has slipped away because he knows that he's an, an introvert and that he needs time by himself and time with God to be able to, to serve God in the ways that he has been called to. If you talk with the Pences or the Jesses, you will hear how their lives and their understanding of God have, been, have grown and have become bigger by the hosting of these people and by the stories that they've heard, and how God has blessed them as he's used them to bless others. Hospitality doesn't just mean hosting, people, hosting a potluck or hosting people in your home. When I was a young single man, I lived in many um, studio apartments, and it's really hard to think about hosting people when the place where they will sit to have dinner is your bed. It's kind of awkward and borderline creepy, so I tried not to do that. Um, but what I, as I prayed through this and as I looked at this, what I realized was what God is calling us to, and what Peter is calling us to do, is to be a safe place and a welcoming place for people, whether that's in a conversation with them or whether that's, that's in our homes, whether that's at meals. It could look like inviting somebody out for dinner and being willing to pay, pay for their dinner. Or if that's cost too much, you could take them out to coffee or just meet them in a park for a walk. Just being welcoming and being open to sharing life and sharing our stories with each other. Evan's passion for God's word, Dan's evangelistic heart, the Pence's hospitality, Christina and Eric's service, these are examples of normal people like you and me using the gifts God has given them for his glory and by his strength. If you watch them, if you talk with them about using their gifts, you will see that it all comes from love, a love of God and a love of people people that Peter would applaud. Above all, love each other deeply, for love covers a multitude of sins. Peter understands that without love, nothing works. 
How can we be hospitable and not grumble without love? How can we speak and serve our community in the ways that Peter is calling us to without love? Humanity is broken. We screw up. We get mad. We say stupid things. We do stupid things. Without love, it would be impossible not to grumble about the people that we host in our homes and at our tables. Without love, it's so easy to use my gifts for my own gain or to build myself up. Without, God, without love, God doesn't get the glory and the praise he deserves. The second part of the sentence is kind of odd. Love covers a multitude of sins. It, takes, it may, starts to make more sense when we realize that this love isn't the fluffy, fuzzy kind of love that you see in Disney movies or romantic comedies. It's a lot more similar to the love that, that, that drove Jesus to sacrifice himself on the cross. In my own life, I can't think of a better example of this than my time with Nathan George. When I first met him, he was doing well. He was an evangelist to the street kids and the goth kids of Capitol Hill. He and I went to a, goth, a few goth clubs, and it was astounding to see the ministry that he had to these lost and broken kids. A few years later, he was burnt out, and he was self-medicating with alcohol. I don't know how many times I cleaned up Nathan's apartment from a sea of beer cans, or how many times I washed vomit-stained clothes, or listened to him his drunken rants either on the phone or face-to-face. I remember one time where I literally wrestled him to the floor to keep him from hurting himself by jumping out the second-story window of his apartment. There was another time when I, I stayed up all night with him in the hospital because he was too drunk to be anywhere else, and he was so drunk that he couldn't even get himself to the bathroom. Looking back over my life, I think some of the hardest times were, were my time with Nathan and caring for him. It was dirty. It was messy. It stunk, literally. There were multiple times where I would love to have thrown up my hands or simply thrown up and walked away. But I love Nathan because I know that God loves me and that God was calling, wanted to, to love Nathan through me. And each and every time, God gave me the strength to go back and to care for him. Notice that Peter doesn't say that love covers all sin. And he doesn't say that sin shouldn't be addressed as sin. When Peter just talks about love covering a multitude of sin, what he's saying is that we all need mercy and that we have the opportunity to join Jesus in providing mercy to others. And that when we do confront someone with sin, with their sin, we should do so with love and with mercy. Finally, or firstly, depending on how you look at it, Peter gives a context into which all of this fits. The end of all things is at hand. I see this as Peter pulling the band-aid off quick. What's the worst that could happen? The world could end. It's going to happen. When? We don't know. And because we don't know, we need to be alert and sober-minded. Sober-minded. Yes, this does mean that we shouldn't get drunk. But it doesn't stop there. The definition of sober-minded is rational or sensible. The New American Standard translates the word as sound judgment. Another way to look at it is that we need to be present in the situations that we find ourselves, and we need to 
We need to be making rational decisions with the time that we that God has given us. This means that that there are, when you're meeting with someone, when you're hanging out with someone, we need to put down the cell phones and possibly turn them off. Um, there was a time a couple of years ago with the team in Scotland when we we had very limited access to Wi-Fi. And so there would be places that we would go where we would have access to Wi-Fi and everybody would pull out their phones and start getting on Facebook and uploading photos and all kinds of fun things. Um, but we were hanging out with people and we were spending time together. And I ended up having to talk with them about this. And we together we, just, we realized that this was not what God was calling us to. This was not us being present with the people that we were, that we were around. And that it was disrespectful. And so we made a rule that we didn't access Wi-Fi unless we were unless there was specific times that we had had decided that that was going to be a time for Wi-Fi. In essence, what Peter is saying that we is that we need to pay attention when where we are, and we, to use the brain that God has given us to make rational decisions about how we use the time that that we have for God's glory and for the good of others. We need to be alert and sober-minded so that we know what situations to pray about and how to pray about them. This applies to both our immediate circumstances, our friends and our family, the people that we encounter on a regular basis, but it also extends to situations around the world. A few years ago, my wife got after me because I didn't pay much attention to the global news. My thought was that I had enough to worry about in my own little section of the world that I didn't need to worry about what was going on in other places. But God convicted, it, convicted me, and I realized that I do need to pay attention, not so that I can worry about them, but so that I can look at, at events in the world and be encouraged when good things happen, or to beg God for his mercy when, when I see hurting people in horrible situations, or... And this is the scary, potentially life-changing part. To offer myself and my family to move across the globe as, as his instruments of love, mercy, peace, and justice in the midst of these circumstances, if that is what he is calling us to do. The end of all things is at hand. Nothing but God's divine will is keeping the, the end from happening right now. Because the world could end at any time, we need to be alert and sober-minded so that we can pray for the world and the people next to us. Because we don't know when the end is coming, we need to love people beyond their failings, and we need to host people with joy. Because the world could end tomorrow or tonight or 2,000 years from now, we need to recognize the gifts that we have been given by God and use them for the good of those that God puts in our lives with the authority and the strength that God has given us. And as we do all of these things, our ultimate desire should be that Jesus is glorified. Up on the screen, there will be a picture of a baby named Andrew. He was born in South Korea at 23 weeks and 6 days, which makes him around 4 months premature. He's the, the son of one of my wife's friends. I've met his parents a few times. I've never met him. I think the only direct connection that Scum has with this child is my wife and I. 
But since I posted a, a prayer request on Scum's prayer team, I've had many people checking up on Andrew. At the pre-service prayer times that Leonor mentioned, it seems like every week someone asks about him. The guys from the Bible study I lead on Tuesday mornings pray faithful, faithfully for him every week. And we thank God when we hear about his improvements and how he's continuing to develop as he should. Through our response to this little baby, Scum is answering Peter's call. Though we hope it doesn't happen for a long time, we don't know when Andrew's life will end. But we continue to pray for his development and his growth in healthy ways. Though we can't host him in our homes or in our hearts, or in our homes or at our meals, we are opening our hearts to him and we're hosting him in our prayers. And we are using the God-given gifts of prayer and intercession for the sake of he and his family. And God is getting the glory. This is one example of how Scum has been answering the call that Peter has given us in the passage that we, that we just went through. Right now I want to, take, to give you guys an opportunity to do the same thing. For the next couple of minutes, I'd like you to turn to your neighbors and pray. You can pray for baby Andrew. You can pray for other events that are happening around the world that you know about that need prayer. Or you can pray for the concerns of, the, of each other. Like, share those things. If you don't know the person, introduce yourself and, and ask if there's anything that they want to pray, pray for. And just take a couple minutes and do that. Another thing that we could be praying for is uh, a couple of weeks ago, there's the, there was the shooting at Arapahoe High School. That is local, and it's beyond, it's bigger than, who we, than scum of the earth, but it is something local. And, and Claire Davis, I believe, is the young lady who was hurt. And um, so pray for her. Oh, she died yesterday. Pray for her family, because that's got to be really, really hard, because she held on for a long time. Um, so pray for her family. Pray for the pray for the the family of the the shooter. Um, pray for all of those that were affected. Yeah. Um, for the next couple of minutes, please turn to your neighbor and pray for the things that you need to pray for. For thank you. <laughs> 